everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, Episode 30, Progressive Leadership, for January 20th, 2011. This week, we have two very special guests with us. They are uh, leaders in their field of education. We have uh, Superintendent Michael Gilbert of White Oak ISD and Middle School Principal Kevin Weaver of Honey Grove ISD. And we'll bring those uh, guys on a little bit later and uh, uh, give you a a more full-featured introduction. But this week, we're going to be talking about the leadership mindset it takes uh, to uh, be progressive and to be uh, a change agent in, uh, in the modern technology world. Often... Our shows tend to be more uh, geek-centered and, and uh, uh, the nuts and bolts of, of how to run a network and that sort of things. But uh, every now and then we like to step back and uh, uh, talk philosophy and, and understanding of what actually makes all this stuff go. The, the technology is there as a tool for the people. And so today we're going to talk more about the people. And uh, so we, uh, we look forward to those guys coming up a little later on. But first we have to do our typical uh, warm-up drivel because it's in the notes and it's what we have to do. Well, I do want to jump in there and say uh, uh, Mr. Weaver is is in studio with us, so he may or may not decide to pop in. And, I believe uh, he has his microphone muted for fear of, of breathing into it, but, uh, right. uh, but yes, he is with us, and uh, feel free to jump right on in there, Kevin, at any point. So, especially, Sean, especially if it involves like you know bashing me, if it's right? insulting Sean, <laughs> even better. Uh, so, uh, uh, Sean has a very special. This is a, a a water watermark day, a benchmark day, a high water momentous watermark. occasion. What is? Yes. Well, I'm mixing metaphors. Today is a mixed metaphor day uh, for Sean, and I'll let him tell you why. Yeah, it was uh, today. Was my first uh, foray into the classroom. So uh, uh, this afternoon, uh, just uh, after lunch, I uh, taught three periods of technology uh, to middle schoolers of all things. <laughs> yeah, there's some yeah, just gigantic irony there in that. Uh, you know, I've been here uh, oh, going on three years now. And uh, in just, you know, going around the district and and seeing teachers interact with students and uh, getting to see uh, all that goes on in the classroom, uh, I've made, I know the comment to you, Mark, several times. I said, you know, that teaching thing I could really do, I could see really getting into it. uh, But, you know, I could teach the elementary kids and the high schoolers, but not the middle schoolers. <laughs> so, so when my district had its 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 time of need uh, and, and something that I could really fit into and and help out, where did it happen to be? The middle school. It takes a very special person to deal with middle school students all day, every day. It really does. And, it really does. And I think as this semester progresses, Sean will get more and more special uh, with each passing day. Well, I want you know it, it, it's too bad if we couldn't just take like a snapshot. Like here's my hairline. You know, if we could get some sort of like John Madden thing going on and and measure my hairline, uh, I'm really curious to see where it ends up here in, uh, what is it, 18 weeks, 13 weeks? 18. 18. 18. You could do what doctors do. You know how they'll draw a line around something to see if it's going to swell or what? You could draw like a permanent marker line around your hairline. Yeah. So, uh, and and a little bit of that was confirmed today, but also I'll say... uh, uh, it also it kind of went the other way. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, the, the middle school kids uh, have a real tendency to to be. You know, it's that time of life when they're testing out their 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 wit and their uh, sarcasm and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that that's the kind of stuff that the old you know the marine in me wants to come out. And uh, you know what bothers me about middle school kids is that they love sarcasm, 
but they're not good at it yet. Right. Yeah, they're horrible at right. it. Yeah. That, that's the frustrating part. It's like if you were witty, I, I could I could deal that's with right. that. You know, if there was some wit there, but uh, you know, it's just bad. Yeah. So if what you said was funny, I could I could almost accept the disruption in my class. But right. it was disruptive, and it was stupid, and the two together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a learning experience for me, and I think it's a good one. Uh, it's too bad. I think that uh, more pure uh, uh, the pure techs out there that work in districts uh, might not get the opportunity to uh, spend some time in the classroom uh, because it, it's also a learning experience for me as far as you know, just learning some of the unique challenges that teachers uh, face each day, and uh, you know. Uh, and then, you know, trying to meld uh, technology and, you know, working with the kids and, and, you know, coming together and actually teaching them something. So uh, so it's a good exercise, and I, I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to do it. So, And at the end of the 18 weeks, you will be getting a an Apple gift card. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you can buy some iPad apps with that, Mark. <laughs> Slipped in the chat room says that he has enough trouble trying to teach teachers. I maintain that teachers are the worst possible students. So uh, students, any student is better than a teacher as a student. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, having I have taught uh, high school, middle school, uh, not in the school setting, but in in Sunday school and other type settings like that. I've I've taught kids uh, for many years. Uh, I did actually teach a class at the high school level uh, for a little while, uh, so I have some uh, knowledge in whereof I speak. I have spent most of my days, uh, at least at some point during the day, trying to teach a teacher, and they are the worst possible students. And I have a theory about that. Do I have time to get into my theory? Sure. We don't want to make this a three-hour podcast. Yeah, this, but, is, our, this is already but, going to uh, probably be a long right. one. But, but this is a pretty good theory, I think. A teacher, particularly at the elementary level, and let me preface this by saying I have been married for 16 years to an elementary teacher, so I have some insight in that. But particularly right. an elementary teacher, but all teachers, they are the master of their domain, right? An elementary teacher for eight, nine hours a day is the source of all knowledge is the 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 harbinger of of all good things and the bringer of all doom they are in control more or less right now you take a group of these people who every day all day are the it you put them all together and say now sit down and listen and i'm going to impart some knowledge to you and that just does not compute in their little brains <laughs> yeah there are many many times my wife taught uh, pre-kindergarten four-year-olds for uh, 15 years and there are many many times at the end of the day when she came home i had to sit her down and say honey i am not four years old you need to shift gears and realize you're talking to an adult now because they have a hard time making that uh, adjustment sometimes so that's my theory as about why teachers are terrible students. Probably the same reason doctors are terrible patients and technicians have the crappy computers that they don't ever back up. Right. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm there with you on you on that theory there. So uh, so what do you got next? I'm so, really kind of curious about this next item. So now that I've insulted half of our listener base, I want to go right. ahead and alienate the other half and brag about my phone. Because oh, we no. all know how popular that is, right, um, when when I brag about my phone. Now, this is uh, an app for anybody out there who has uh, uh, the Android platform on, on and a camera. So you, if you have a device that runs Android and has a camera, be it a phone or, or one of the new tablets uh, or, or whatever, 
there is a, a an awesome app that I recently uh, discovered um, as a part of another podcast, actually uh, the uh, on the uh, uh, Podnuts network that we've talked about before. Um, it's called Cam Scanner, and and the idea is you take a picture of a document and it scans that document, turns it into a PDF. Okay, now I have I've had this thing for a while, but haven't really had an opportunity to use it. Well, today beginning of the year, uh, W-2s were handed out at our school. So I have this envelope here with W-2s, um, four or five copies of it that I'm sure to lose because that's just the way I am. I'm a loser. Uh, no, wait. That's, well, and if not no. you, your wife. Right. I mean, one of you so is going to lose it. I will take it home if it makes it home. It will likely sit here on my desk for weeks, and then I'll remember to take it home, and then we'll put it somewhere safe, quote-unquote, and then come tax time, we won't remember where the somewhere safe is. Right. So I thought, you know, what I want to do here and what I've been doing with all of my uh, documents that of, of some importance that I've been scanning them and putting them up on Google Docs so that I have them available when I need them, and I've been doing that with uh, with anything that I think is important. So I took this W two. I laid it down on my desk. I took a picture of it with my phone uh, using the Cam Scanner app, and then there was a one touch button upload to Google Apps. I entered my Google Apps credentials, and it showed up there. And I was blown away by the quality of this scan. It looked as good as a scanner, as a flatbed scanner, as I've ever seen. Really? I was expecting it to be all sorts of weird shading issues, and you know, and look like I took a picture of something. And and I was okay with that, you know, because that's kind of what I was expecting. But no, this thing does some internal manipulation of the image and creates a really high quality scan uh, of the document that you take a picture of. So there you go, Kevin. I'm I'm curious uh, because I'm sure there's an app for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen anything like that on the iPhone? I I, I seem to have I'm, a vague I'm memory just, of. Something I'm sure like there that. is an app for that, but I'm just glad Mark is using a phone that he's trying to get to the iPhone level. That's really good. <laughs> and by the way, Mark, if you would have listened better to your little-brained teachers, oh yeah, yeah, they, was... they they tried to teach you to take care of your stuff. <laughs> I did say that. I did say they're little brains. Yeah. Yes, you did. Little brain. <laughs> That's Mark at <laughs> thetaiwantech.com. <laughs> Spelled S H A W N. <laughs> And so that's it. That's all I had. I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, it may, it probably does exist uh, on the iPhone. Probably was in the iPhone App Store first. Uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll go ahead and throw that out there. But uh, if you've got a camera with uh, a good enough resolution, it's a great thing. And and just a uh, another side note: people don't use their cameras often enough. Almost everybody with a cell phone, even the cheap, you know, track phones that you prepay, have a camera in it. Use those things, people. The other day, I was in a meeting with the superintendent, and we were watching a webinar, and there was this slide up there with. Uh, contact information and, and instructions. We were to uh, do these things, and the instructions were there, and we were to send it to this address. And he's fumbling around looking for a paper and a pen, trying to write all this stuff down. I grab my phone, walk up to the monitor, take a picture of it, and I've got it. Use your tools available. It's not just for uh, grandkids at birthday parties. You can take a picture of anything, and, and it can be useful later, particularly with these newer uh, phones with the 5, 6, 7, 8, 12 megapixel cameras that take really high-res images. Yeah, I do that a lot uh, working on motherboards, and people have asked That's me. That's a great several, one. Yeah, people have asked me several times. How do you know where to put all those wires back? And you know, we know. Uh, you know, if you've worked in tech long enough, you you can decipher the writing on a motherboard. 
But why spend the time doing that? You know, I, before I take something apart, I just snap a quick picture of it or maybe a couple pictures of it. And when it comes time to put that thing back together, uh, I don't have to sit there and try to microscopically read what's written on the motherboard. I just, you know, refer back to my pictures and boom. So, uh, yeah. Absolutely. So there's a couple of free unsolicited tips of the week there. And uh, with that, uh, we'll get on with our, our interview and uh, introduce you to uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mike and Mr. Kevin. All right. All right. So I gave a brief introduction of these uh, two men uh, at the beginning of the show. Uh, so uh, we'll start out now with just um, letting them give some some more uh comprehensive introductions than uh, than what I did earlier. So we'll start with you, uh, Mr. Gilbert. This is uh, Mike Gilbert uh, of White Oak Independent School District. Uh, Mr. Gilbert, tell us a little bit about uh, your, just your educational background. Let's start there. Your uh, career in ed- education and, and how it transitioned from, you know, uh, straight out of college into your current uh, position. Well, okay. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm 30 years into public education right now. Uh, just just starting or I'm in the middle of my 30th year. Uh, I did uh, 19 years as a teacher and a coach. Uh, basically that it, uh, it uh, started off in Wills Point, Texas, uh, went to Lindale, Texas, Texarkana, Texas High, uh, went to uh, Spring Hill for a good period of time and finished my coaching career at Spring Hill and started my administrative career as a middle school principal, fifth and sixth grade campus. Uh, I did fifth, sixth grade campus at Spring Hill as an administrator. I was a high school administrator, high school principal at White Oak, then the high school principal at Spring Hill, and now back to White Oak as superintendent. So basically kind of a hot potato thing is whoever doesn't want me last. But um, So what you're saying is you couldn't keep a job for very long? Is that, uh... <laughs> couldn't stay in one place all that long. It's, it's maybe a little bit of the old coach in me, but uh, I've been here for four years now, so it's the longest I've lived anywhere in a long time. Wow. Uh, so, uh, in your time, in your travels, uh, uh, you've said you've been a teacher and a principal and, uh, and a coach. Um, h- how would you say that, uh, uh, those positions have, um, prepared you, uh, to be the superintendent that you are? Well, I, I think it's been, uh, it just very, it's instrumental, uh, not only that, not only in the teaching and the coaching, but, um, you know, we, in this profession, all of us have to have uh, all kinds of side jobs, and uh, all of my side jobs basically have been involved in school business. I've worked as a route bus driver. I've worked in the maintenance department. I've been in um, elementary uh, physical education classes, uh, you know, done just about every uh, level of work that you can do in school business. And I think the biggest thing that that does for me is it allows me to have a good conversation with anybody in the district about the work that they do because at some point in time, I've, I've probably done a little bit of the same thing. All right. And so uh, we'll shift now to our uh, our in-studio guest. First time we've ever had anybody uh, here at Tightwad Central. Uh, and uh, in, uh, get started with uh, Mr. Kevin Weaver, uh, principal, uh, middle school principal at Honey Grove uh, School District. Uh, uh, Kevin, same question to you. Uh, what uh, What's your background in education and what's led you from uh, from where you've been to where you are? This is my starting also my 30th year, uh, 29 years of coaching and teaching mathematics in the classroom. And um, I guess last, well, two years ago, a little life-changing, a little bit of uh, battle with cancer and realizing that um, I wanted to make a little bit of a difference. One of the things I do believe is you can make a big difference in a school district and on a campus as an instructional leader. So I went back to school or actually online and 
finished up, actually still finishing up my principal certification. And that's my first year then as middle school principal. All right. And so I guess we'll just uh, uh, get the ball rolling with just a, a, a question to the both of you, and I'll let you decide on uh, who wants to answer it or how. But uh, um, you go, both have been in this, you, you said, 30 years now, so we've got quite a lot of perspective. Uh, uh, both of you have been in uh, – Mike, remind me, you said you were in the classroom for 19 years. Is that right? 19 years um, teaching business classes and also um, social studies classes. So how has the role of a leader changed in the last 30 years from the days that when you guys both started, uh, you know, the, the topic of the show is progressive leadership. The idea of, of there are really sort of two types of leaders in the world. Those who are, uh, progressive and those who are retentive, those who want to uh, keep the way things are and those who want to, to move forward. How, how has the, the construct of a progressive leader changed over the last 30 years? Well, I, I, I'll say from my perspective, you know, I, I have uh, described all of my moves in, in education as an increase in your, in your universe. You know, your world gets larger. Uh, your world as a classroom teacher revolves around students in your classroom, the content that you're teaching, those kind of things. And as you move um, through the principal's jobs and then up into superintendent's jobs, your view of, of things is, um, keeps getting wider and wider and there are more, uh, there are more concerns. But I think the biggest thing is, is that as a leader, our concerns have gotten a lot more global in the last 30 years than they used to be. Schools used to be about preparing students for those things that they needed in their local area. Uh, whatever the, whatever the job was, whatever the uh, industry was in that area, that would be kind of a focus of what they're doing. Uh, today's student, you know, we've, we've got a lot of focus on, on global issues. We've got a lot of focus on, you know, international competition what we're going to do to allow our kids to be competitive in global markets, whether that's in, you know, post-secondary education or whether that's going out into the workforce. All right, Kevin, I'll pose the same question to you. I see you nodding your head over there. Do you have any, anything to add? Well, I think the other thing that I think of, uh, I agree with Mr. Gilbert, but I also believe that we've had our, uh, our families change. And I don't think that's necessarily um, from a, uh, whether a, a school in the Dallas area or a school in the, uh, areas that we are out here more in East Texas, but the bottom line is that our, uh, our role in education has changed quite a bit since I've watched in 30 years. Um, to some perspective, less family involvement, and uh, our students rely on us more to uh, open the world up for them. And that's one of the things that I've seen, whether as a coach or as an administrator, that I think uh, that I've seen change. All right, I'm just going to touch on that. You said uh Families have been less involved, and and so the the school leaders need to step in more on that. Was that is that un, an understanding of what you said there? Yes, and I think you know it's it, that's not a saying bad things about the families. It's just the way I think our families in, themselves have changed. Whether single single family or single parent homes, things like that, things that have made an impact on whether they're in athletics or whether they're doing anything. If it's after school. Uh, many times we are the people that are there as educators, uh, and so I feel I, I feel a big responsibility there, bigger responsibility than I used to. That's an interesting observation. You have any comment on that, Mike? Oh, there's no doubt. We we're now, um, you know, the 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 family structure has changed greatly in 30 years, and our responsibilities in the school district now go from um, basically a PPCD kids, you know, right. nearly infant children. And can run as far as up till age 20, 
23, 24 years old, depending on what their learning disabilities are. We feed them. Uh, we make sure that they have the medicines that they need. Uh, we make sure that their whatever disabilities that they have are, are dealt with in such a manner that it doesn't affect their education. And and we are um, basically a social lifeline to a, to a lot of students that don't have uh, the family structure that maybe you, you have in your mind is the typical mom, dad, you know, two children in the household, uh, two car garage, dog in the backyard, all that kind of thing. You know, there we have a lot of children that are not living in that world. That's a, that's an interesting observation. How does that um, affect your uh, your your philosophy, your uh, approach to leadership? Then, either of you. I think it, it matches, if you've been in the business as long as Mr. Gilbert or myself, I think it matches a passion that you have. You brought up a question a second ago, Mark, when you said, do all um, administrators have to be coaches? And I do think leadership, what starts happening there is uh, the passion gets more defined as you realize that uh, these young people are counting on you and uh, you can have a big impact on their life. The task that's in place doesn't change. Uh, your 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 task is to is to educate children, prepare them for the future, and a part of that job is to negate or nullify anything that can keep that from happening. And we need to provide a safe environment, a a, a place where they can come and learn, and whatever their situation is at this time, we have a we 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 have a tool in education. That can get them to a better place. That can allow them to have success in their life, no matter what their background is, no matter where they started from. Uh, now, because uh, all of that is is really interesting. One, I you know I've only been working for uh, uh, in education for three years now, so uh, this is all really probably more interesting to me or uh, uh, all kind of new. Uh, I'm kind of curious how, uh, with all of that evolving, how does it? Uh, how have you seen? I guess the role of technology and, and, uh, acceptance of technology and all of those things. Cause, uh, Mr. Gilbert, you talked about the world kind of getting to be a bigger place and you got to play on a, on a bigger playing field. Uh, so, uh, uh let, let's talk about that and how the role of technology has changed. And, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about progressive leaders as far as being willing to accept that technology. Uh, how have you dealt with that? Well, I think the role of technology or, or the, the increase in the use of technology is, an, is a natural uh, progression of what we're preparing students for. You know, our, our main job, the thing that we're supposed to be doing is preparing students to be successful in the future. Um, personally, I grew up in Clear Creek School District south of Houston. My dad was a 35-year employee of NASA. Um, you know, I grew up in a time and went to school at a place with astronauts' children and at a time when we were, you know, racing for the moon and doing those kinds of things. Those astronauts that first walked on the moon and did all of those just extraordinary things weren't being trained to be astronauts when they were in high school. They were being trained to be successful. We're doing the same thing today. We know that the world that our students are going to go into, that they're going to have to compete in, is a world filled with technology. And we're remiss in our job as educators if we don't put that technology in front of them and give them an opportunity to learn how to use it in a, in a constructive um, uh, business-like manner that will help them uh, secure jobs, secure their future, and, you know, uh, make something for them. They can make successes of themselves. Well, that's a great uh, 
takeaway line there. I want to repeat that, uh, that uh, the job of schools is not to uh, prepare people for a specific purpose, but to prepare them to be successful. That's uh, that's profound. I like that. Uh, so uh, you would say then that uh, exposure to technology or the mastery of it, what, what is the role of technology in success and, and, and the, the role of, of, a, of a school in that? Uh, uh, schools, particularly uh, low-income schools, uh, struggle with how to provide technology and what technology to provide. There's always the argument about, uh, you know, uh, should it be the Microsoft Office, you know, uh, big iron sort of thing, or should it be something uh, something else, more like a, a Google Docs, or, or you know, we, we struggle with balancing the budget with the tools for success, and I'm curious uh, if if that's our goal, right? If if it's providing the tools for success, what in your estimation, uh, both Kevin and, and Mike, I'll ask you both, what are those tools for success in, uh, to use a, a way overused term, 21st century schools? I, I think first thing I want to say is that on, on, on that question is, I think our students will let us know what what they the tools they need and what they need to explore in technology one of the things that i feel i feel like we do sometimes is we limit them and um i'm not trying to say that because mark and sean are in here with me but we have a school district it sounds like a, a lot like yours mr gilbert that we uh we allow our students to use uh if you could say without any uh gatekeepers to let people let our students use technology and uh just with y'all having to Mr. Gilbert, I hope I can say older gentleman, uh, on the <laughs> as compared to these men. But uh, you know, I was just thinking back of the things that I know in my textbook years of what we'd have to use those pictures that the textbook had, and and now it's just wide open. We can see, we can, uh, you know, the world is flat to us, and we can see those things, and the students can see those things. And I think our students will guide us on where we need to go. We don't have to know everything about it. They'll guide us on what tools they might need. I agree. I think probably one of the things that, that we're more comfortable with now um, than maybe we were in the past, or I know that I'm more comfortable with now than I was in the past, is I'm not supposed to be the expert in the field. I'm supposed to be the facilitator. I'm supposed to be that person that makes things happen. Um, you know, it was mentioned earlier that, you know, an administrator has the ability to, to influence people and at each level. That's what I've found. And where I'm at now, my job is to make sure that my administrators and then teachers have the opportunity to meet the needs of students. Um, you know, our students have a great deal of knowledge about technology. What we need to do is make sure that they take that knowledge and, and have a, a, the ability to use it over a, a, a wide range of um, tasks that are going to be put in front of them. It's, it's an exciting time in one way because we're changing from teacher to facilitator and their teachers are finding themselves more and more in the classroom with people, students that can open their eyes to new things that technology can do and thus let the teacher do more because of what the student has taught the teacher. Uh, Mr. Gilbert, I wanted to jump in there. You, you made some, uh, uh, an interesting comment as far as, uh, you know, just, uh, not, not having to know everything about the technology and being able to, uh, just kind of give up control, uh, there and just kind of let it happen. Uh, and, and that, brings me to kind of a, a point of good leadership, which is, is trust and, you know, being able to give up some control and, and really let that 
work on down the the organizational structure and it seems like there's a lot of leaders out there that have a problem with being able to give up that control and uh, we personally know about your district and that they're doing some very innovative things there and uh, that you got a couple of great guys working for you uh, you know, is that a challenge for you to, to let that go? Is that just something that naturally is inherent in you? Uh, something that you had to learn over the years? Uh, what exactly was it? Oh, I think it's definitely a learned trait from the standpoint of the technology, but it's not a learned trait from the standpoint of um, recognizing talented workers, recognizing that there are people out there that if you let them go, they'll do neat things. And, and that, that's really what we have going on here at White Oak. We've got a group of educators and we've got a support staff that are all interested in the same thing, making sure that our students get a good education. Uh, I don't, uh, my philosophy about leadership and about administrating a school district is, um, it sounds like a cliche, but it's really the truth. If I've got a good educator in a classroom, I don't need to be in that person's way. I need to facilitate what they're going to do. And I need to trust that they are the, the key person, they are the key element in a good education. The technology is a good tool. The teacher in the classroom is is everything when it comes to having a good education. So uh, just to follow up on that concept of trust there, um, would you make a distinction then between trusting the students with the technology and trusting the teachers with the students? Uh, often, you know, the pushback we get from administrators is that, you know, you can't trust kids, right? You can't trust students. And, and you know, I, I think we could all agree that in some ways you can't trust kids, right? So your level of trust that you put in there, uh, where, where does that fall? Are you trusting your students to behave wisely? Are you trusting your teachers uh, to uh, to run a, an effective classroom? What, where is your um, locus of trust for the most part? Oh, I, I think my focus of trust is definitely with the teachers, um, students. And, and, and I will tell you this, you know, if we can't trust our students, we're going to be in trouble in about 10 to 15 years because they're going to be in charge. And, uh, but, but I think one of the things that we talk about a lot here and that, that I rely on a great deal so in, in the terms of filtering, I guess, would be a good way to put it. We're SIPA compliant. We do the things that we're supposed to. We're, we're uh, fully focused on making sure that our students don't accidentally fall into areas on the Internet that they're not supposed to be. But the greatest filter that you can have in any classroom or any lab or any setting is a teacher that's actively monitoring and engaged with the students in the work that they're doing. Um, filters work on people like me. When I get to the website and I hit on something and it says it's blocked by a filter, I say, that's fine. I go another direction. Young people today just see that as a challenge. How quickly <laughs> can I that's get right. around it? And most of them can get around it pretty fast. So the teacher in the classroom is, is paramount for us. Amen. Yeah. Can I just say <laughs> exactly. that? Big exactly amen to right. that. Uh, that's that's a, a mantra we have uh, uh, said many, many times here, that the the most effective filter, the most effective, effective piece of technology in that classroom is that salaried professional that you are paying to be in there. Uh, and everything else well, is an additive to if it. If I could add, I, you know, in my the continuation of that argument for me is we don't have a filter in our high school for smoking in a bathroom. We have to catch them. That's right. You know? And that's the same for, you know, other things that go on in school. We have personnel in place. We have rules in place. And then you have those situations where you deal with the fact that some people choose not to follow the rules. And you go into the consequence area that's just the same as it is in life. 
All right. So now let's talk about your role as an administrator. Um, and you, uh, I, I don't know the situation you came into, but let's let's say that you did come into a situation where that uh, that trust had not been fostered previously. Um, how does a leader go about pushing that sort of change, about changing the mindset from one of control and of top-down decision-making to uh, one of trust and of, of groundswell-up decision-making? Well, I don't think, first off, Mark, you can imagine that it's going to be perfect. And uh, I'm sitting here with you all, and you know that I've had some challenges this year with some things that I've opened up. But um, one of the things that I think we're not we're, – we're robbing our students also of the ability to be an educator to them, to teach them acceptable use, to teach them, wow, if you would have done that with your phone – you know, in the workplace in seven or eight years, you may have gotten fired. And, you know, some things that we can do that I think as a role as an educator, I'm missing out on if I just say, no, we won't have cell phones, period. You know, I won't see them. They're not going to be up here because uh, those are things that I think that we we have a responsibility to do. And um, that's how, how I know I feel. Now, I will say there'll be bumps along the way. And just like Mr. Gilbert was saying, there'll be those that will try try things but if we will monitor and if we will educate i think that's a that's a way we can have an impact well and then those those negative situations are you know they're also opportunities to teach you know what happens when you know, a bad decision that one person makes can be an influence on somebody else not making that decision but from the standpoint of you know how to or how we kind of got this started i think our story at white oaks is kind of a neat story um but it, again, it goes back to you have to have great teachers for things to work. Um, we didn't mandate any kind of technology initiative, and we didn't say we're going to be in this place, you know, two years from now, and we're going to have this many computers and this many people involved. I think probably the, the neatest thing that happened here was not long after I came on board as superintendent, uh, talking with Michael Grass, Scott Floyd, visiting with our principals, we wanted to see technology increase use we wanted to see technology um you know invade the classroom and be a part of the learning cycle and be a part of what we did and uh we did it in kind of a unique way uh, years ago I, I was listening to something and i heard the phrase viral learning and i started thinking about that that thought process or that idea of viral learning and we applied that here basically we we took i think about six macbooks and we put them in the hands of about six different teachers that we knew were really interested in doing this and getting that process started. And then we sat back and didn't say anything, didn't do anything, didn't encourage anybody else. And basically what happened was this grew from the teachers around those six saying, hey, I'm interested in doing something like Ms. So-and-so. What do I need to do to get one of those MacBooks where I can get that done? And then our response would be, well, you just did what you need to do. You asked for it. We're going to put it in your hands. We're going to see where you go with it. See, you can't see this because I didn't have the camera on him, but uh, Sean actually just quietly blew a fuse there when you mentioned the <laughs> MacBooks. Uh, he's, uh, but, he's our resident Mac hater. Right. I, You know, but I, I don't mind the hardware. I like the hardware. I just can't really stand the company. <laughs> well, and, and I think the same thing. You know, I said MacBooks because that's just the platform that we use biggest part about it was is that in a period of about two years it had completely taken over the primary and intermediate school we had teachers meeting after school on their own to share ideas to look for ways to help one another it it, it moved up into the the middle school and then into the high school 
And this viral process that in my mind I thought would take place over a period of five, six years as, you know, word spread or whatever, um, you know, it took place in a hurry. And the, 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 the neat thing about it was we didn't make anybody do anything. They asked for it. And when they asked for it, they, they had ideas of what they wanted to do. And then they used it for that. Um, I've, I've kind of always said it's kind of the, the example to me is when I moved from Wills Point, Texas to Lindale, Texas, uh, in Wills Point, men, te- you know, male teachers didn't have to wear a tie. So I wore one about three days a week because I thought it was pretty cool to wear one. And it, you know, made me look more professional. When I went to Lindale, male teachers were required to wear a tie and I didn't ever want to wear one because it wasn't <laughs> my idea. So, you know, I, I just, that's kind of where we, we wanted that to be the teacher's idea to use that technology, not so, something that we put in a classroom and said, okay, it's in there and you'll use it X number of you know, minutes a period. So how do you address the, uh, shall we say, uh, reluctant uh, adopter of, of this new principle, the, the one who just won't catch the virus? Uh, how, do you, how do you address that? Do you simply wait for them to retire or do, do you put uh, measures in place? If, if, uh, if technology adoption is um, a goal, right, and, and, and one of those essential tools in preparing uh, students for the future, how do you address that, that student or that teacher, I mean? Well, I think one way I would like to think that there'll be very few that would feel like that they have to get out. I know that I just witnessed. I'm I'm trying to just get our teachers on our campus to understand that they don't have to have all the answers and allow students to find the answers. And I watched it just oh, about three days ago in a classroom, and um, or two days ago, and um, um, the discussion, the question right in the middle of uh, the teacher's uh, lesson. Uh, student asked, why is it called their cabinet? Talking about the president. And the teacher froze for just a minute, and I knew immediately they didn't know. And I saw a student in their cell phone and raised their hand and said, can I read what I, what I found on my phone? And it was three possible things that they had there. And it turned into a thing where he got on the board and they did a survey of which one sounds the most reasonable to you, of why it's called the cabinet. And I think part of it with teachers is giving them the freedom of saying, I don't have to have the answers, but with technology, we can find the answers. We can find things and then we can think and we can gather information. And all those things are going to be things that help help students when they uh, get out into the workforce. That's what we want as thinkers, uh, people that can uh, desegregate data, uh, find what the, where their answer is. Wow, that was a very administrative thing to say. Disaggregation of data. That's uh, thank you, Mark. That was, that was <laughs> thank you. Uh, but you know, I've I've often said myself that the new literacy is not um, the storage of information, but the ability to retrieve that information. Sure. Where where the sum of information is available on your handheld device. You know, the sum of human knowledge. Uh, the the best tool that we can give a student is the ability to retrieve that and and make use of it when necessary, and not so much simply regurgitate facts. Um, but that's well, just my. If frequency. I could weigh in a little bit on the teacher that doesn't use technology, um, we don't discount good teaching because they don't use a computer. And you know, uh, an educator that's been in this business for a period of time, there are a lot of them that have a lot that they can offer students. And maybe technology is not the bigger part of their plan. We want to expose our students to technology, and we want them to use it in the classroom. But it doesn't have to take place all the time in every classroom. Um, you know. 
quite frankly, you know, there are some teachers that aren't going to be technologically savvy, but they have a lot to offer students and we want that to take place too. I think it goes back to that idea that, you know, the number one asset and, and the, the, you know, the greatest thing that you can do for education is have a good teacher in a classroom. I don't want to take a good teacher that's passionate about what they're doing and is doing good things for students and run them off because they have to put their, you know, uh, they have to do podcasts and, you know, have a website and keep it updated four times a week. Uh, I don't think that's serving the best interest of the students or the school district. So we look for a good mix there. Will a new younger teacher come in and have more, you know, interest in uh, using technology? That there's a possibility there, but you know, uh, to, to just to re, you know repeat what I said, certainly don't discount the offerings and what that teacher, that experienced teacher, can do for that student in the classroom, even without the technology. That's a very good point. Thank you. And to the to the younger aspect, I know some twenty four year old curmudgeons too. Not not everybody just because they're Amen. younger is going to be gung ho, and not everybody just because they're older is going to be afraid of it. Oh yeah, I'm. I guess I'm a prime example. I have somebody here in the Longview area that reminds me all the time of when we were in our uh, administrative courses together, which was not recently. Uh, <laughs> it was back in the uh, middle nineties. And I made the comment in that classroom that probably on my tombstone, it will say here lies the last computer illiterate on the face of the earth. Well, <laughs> see where I am today. So, Well, and uh, that kind of brings up the next point that I wanted to get into, uh, which uh, it really goes hand in hand with this is, you know, it's real big right now to talk about one to one initiatives. And uh, uh, so with a one-to-one initiative, you do find yourself putting uh, teachers in that position, right? There are those teachers that uh, maybe don't want to necessarily have to use the technology in the classroom. But if every kid's got a computer now, uh, it does kind of put them in that awkward spot, right? Or I don't know. I mean, I'm asking you, how do you handle that? Are you running any kind of one-to-one or uh, uh, how are you running uh, things there? Uh, I guess we can start with Mr. Gilbert. We are not doing one-to-one. Uh, there, are, there are several reasons for that. One, we can't afford it. Uh, number two, we don't have the demographics and or, you know, the, the um, socioeconomic setting that allows us to have very many grants. So that's one side of it that may kind of um, maybe sway my opinion. But the other thing for me, uh, you know, I've talked to several districts and people that have gone one-to-one and, and some of them have gone really well and others have struggled. And it seems to be more of an idea of kind of like you're saying, you've got to have a good plan of what you're going to do ahead of time. We like to think that we've got enough technology and, and, and we've got it in enough different um, forms from, you know, from laptop computers to handheld de- devices like the, um, the iPod touches to, you know, just, you know, little, uh, little netbooks, different things like that. We've got a lot of different avenues there that we can meet the needs of teachers in classrooms without it being the focus of what's going on in the classroom. We, we, we still want to keep it as a tool. You can do that with one-to-one, but uh, I think we can do it pretty easily here because, you know, you have to pick up the tool. You don't bring it into the classroom with you each time. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the uh, your mention there of, of sort of bring your own tech. Uh, you, you talk about students with their iPod touches or, or whatever. To, uh, um, I'm assuming that you have some that, that are going to bring their laptops. And, and that's another thing that frightens people of my ilk. Uh, network administrators often uh, cringe at the idea of, of students bringing their own stuff to the point where uh, many schools don't even allow the insertion of a USB drive, let alone the insertion of an entire computing platform. Um, talk a little bit about about your philosophy on that and, and more specifically your uh, real-world experience with that. Is that one going to be for me? I'm. <laughs> yes, you're the you're the one I'm I'm addressing okay. here. Cause... Well, uh, we just we had an administrative council meeting this morning. And we discussed that very thing. You know, we we have students uh, coming into the building with better technology than we can afford to buy them. You they know, all have better phones. Than I do. <laughs> right. Phones and laptops and everything else. Um, we also have a society where that telephone is becoming just a you know it's an integral part of of their everyday operation. Uh, leads back to, you know, how are we, you know, are we teaching kids what they need to know to be successful citizens when they get out of school? So I don't have a problem with the idea of, of you know, laptop computers being in the classroom, bringing things in, that type of stuff. Um, you know, I, I let uh, Michael Grass, Scott Floyd, those guys, they can worry about the viruses and all those kind of <laughs> things that, you know, gives them something to do during the day. But That's right. Um, <laughs> Job security. Kind of <laughs> I'm, but the bottom line is is that um, in our discussion today, it didn't revolve so much around the tool as it did how it was going to be used and that the teachers still need to be involved in that process. You know, we, we don't mind, you know, we want the teachers to come up with ideas for kids to use that material in the classroom. But, you know, we also need to make sure that through the active monitoring and that teacher is the filter, you know, that student with, with a um, cell phone could be on our network, but could just be as easily be on the unfiltered network that their provider gives them. So you're going to have to keep watching them and, uh, and, and, and keep involved in the process of making sure the students are, are on task and doing the things that are expected of them in the classroom. All right. So Kevin, I'll, I'll, toss that to you what's your uh, uh f- thoughts on bring your own tech right i i want to jump on top of that as well because uh i know that uh you already had talked about uh cell phones and uh so i'm kind of curious what exactly uh, your philosophy there is uh, as far as uh you know letting them have the cell phones there well first uh I'll say one more time, this is my first year as principal so i'm sure i'm making plenty of mistakes but one of the things that uh uh, the middle school campus is different than our other campuses, and I do allow, uh, of course, once again, it's the teachers. Um, when they come in that classroom, it's how the teachers want those to be used. But as an administrator, I'm freeing the teacher up with that, where they can use that. And as long as, uh, as Mr. Gilbert said, we have to be active, we have to be involved in what they're doing. But one of the things that drove me to that was that I realized that as a math teacher, I was constantly catching students in the bathroom uh, using their cell phones and uh, they'd be texting and I realized after when we went on a trip and I realized the outside the airport all the places where it said you know please no cell phones in the bathroom and the one place that the world didn't want us to have those we were using them at school that way and I think we have we can't be naive and think that they're you know I've heard the argument well if there's a a fight or a teacher gets upset they're going to maybe get their phone and take pictures or video they're going to do that anyway they've got them they're they're there 
and uh, they're sneaky with them and all that kind of stuff. But I found out that it's helped us just to allow the teacher to have the freedom to use them as a as a teaching tool. And uh, because we're not one to one at the middle school yet, we're getting close, but we're in those classrooms. It's much more productive instead of signing up for the lab and going to the lab. Um, many of our students have that technology right there and it can be used that way. And I'll say what Mr. Gilbert said again, and I've said with Mark and Sean before, the, the key is the teacher in the classroom and how that's being monitored and how it's being used in the classroom. Uh, does that uh, philosophy change when you talk about a, a full-featured laptop rather than just a cell phone? Or, uh, uh, or is there a distinction that, that you would make there? We haven't crossed that at the middle school. I, haven't, I don't have students bringing laptops yet, but I would not prevent them from doing so. Um, and I don't, I don't think there'd be a problem with that at, if I were a high school principal. I think I would want to push for those to be able to be used so we could have, you know, have more technology. I, you know, speaking as one of the older gentlemen, it's easier for me to see the screen on that laptop than it is for me to see it on that cell phone. That's right. That's right. I, you know, it's easy for me to tell what's going on, but no, we don't, we don't distinguish between the two. And again, it boils down to now, you know, we're during lunchtime or whatever, uh, we're not going to allow students to just sit out and peruse the internet while, you know, on their free time, because again, we don't know whether they're on our network or their own for that matter. But, um, you know, we're talking about bringing devices to school and using them for educational purposes. We can't think of a bad one. You know, I mean, you can, your, your PS2 game or whatever it is, you know, could be used in an educational manner. And again, you know, we, we keep, I think both of us keep sounding like a broken record, but yeah. it is about, you know, quality teaching. It is about good teaching in the classroom. And I'm out, Mr. Gilbert, I'm, I'll just share with you what I'm doing this year. And I've haven't had problems yet, but at, a uh, at our lunch time, we are, once again, though it's middle school, we're looking at about 125, 130 students. And I do allow them to use their, um, cell phones. I even let them have their little PSPs and things like that. Um, I keep having teachers tell me when they come to eat in the lunchroom how much quieter it is in the lunchroom. And, of course, we, we're monitoring and we're walking around with them and everything like that. But uh, so far, it's it's really been a dream on on letting kids kind of get back in their own world and having a little just, you know, time time for themselves and, a, and time if they want to, you know, spend 50, eat their lunch, spend 15 minutes relaxing. And uh, it's okay with me. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's great. You know, just the and and that that part of it, you know, is kind of the thing that y'all are hitting on with with really all these topics. You know, a, a teacher, a campus principal, a central office person, they've all got to be in an area that's um, you know, it's probably pushing the envelope of their comfort zone, but it has to be a place that they can exist. It has to be a place where they can live right. with themselves, and you know, in their mind, know that they're providing a, a proper and safe education to students. So, you know, and, and those, those things are going to be different at the primary school and, you know, in a second grade room, and they are going to be in a seventh grade class, then they're going to be in a, you know, a senior class. So, you know, there has to be some, there has to be some uh, uh, versatility there. Well, I'm, uh, you know, with regards to that, uh, and this question could go to either or both of you is, uh, it seems to me that, uh, and this is, is, this is my opinion, but that. 
should we not be really preparing them for uh, the next environment? I mean, when they go off to college, they're going to be dealing with this technology. They're going to be expected to use these technologies and uh, and use them appropriately in that environment. And uh, it, that that is responsibility is going to be on them in that environment. So uh, it seems to me like this is the environment where we we teach them that. And how can we not teach them that if they're not uh, if they don't have that technology with them? Uh, am I wrong or am I right there? I know I asked my daughter, uh, she's at University of North Texas, and that's immediately what I asked her last year was, you know, how how's it handled? How do you all handle your laptop? Or are you allowed to take it to class? Are you doing whatever? And I, she only has had one class that otherwise they it's just there. They bring their laptops. They use their phones. They, uh, Of course, she says there will be some students texting the whole time, but she says we know that we're those are the students that aren't going to have very good grades either. So, uh, you know, I do think that there, there's a side to that that we are preparing. I also want to say that I've also visited with several students, and I'm sure that Mark will get comments sent about this, but there's still a lot of universities that, um, how do I want to say this, uh, technology-wise, are, are trying to catch up to some of the high schools. And uh, some of our students are, are going to those colleges, and it's not as far as cell phones, but using technology otherwise or or getting powered back when they go to college it's okay you can say it we're better than most colleges that's wow <laughs> I like, yeah i was gonna say that's a that's a big pat on the back we're liking yeah. that <laughs> I, I i find an interesting thread here between uh, the comments that you're saying and it's, it's one that we've uh said before and and uh you have both mentioned that the the issues the the potential pitfalls are not technology problems, they're behavior problems, yeah. and they're addressed as such. Am I reading that right? That you don't uh, deal with the technology to stop behavior, you deal with the behavior to to facilitate the technology. Well, I, I can tell you that, you know, uh, I got asked this question a while back when I was being interviewed by somebody, and I, I think my answer su- su- kind of surprised them, but, you know, from a biblical standpoint, we've not created any new sins. Not since the, pretty much the beginning of time. We're more efficient at it. You know, we do a better job maybe, and you know, we can do it more often. But when you start looking at uh, the kinds of things that you worry about on the internet, we were dealing with that before. You know, are they looking at things that are inappropriate? Well, you know, I've I've been like I said, thirty years in this business, and I've I've taken up magazines that had a Sports Illustrated cover on them, and they weren't Sports Illustrated. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, we've done, you know, bullying, you know, that was taking place before there was, you know, cyber bullying, you know, we, we deal with, you know, cheating, we've dealt with, uh, you know, all those kinds, you know, all those kinds of issues, uh, beforehand. So I, I think the behavior part of it is separate from the technology and it is something that you're going to deal with, have dealt with in the past and will continue to deal with whether you're introducing technology or not. You know, the question is going to be, um, the you know, what kind of product do you want to put out of your school district? One of the things that drives us is the idea that when our students leave here, whether they go into the workforce, whether they go into uh, some type of post-secondary education, you know, something like that, I don't want them to sit down at a piece of equipment or, at a, you know, and, or somebody put a piece of technology in their hands, and the only thing they can do is go, oh, wow, I've never seen anything like that before in my life. That's not the goal at White Oak ISD. We want them to have working knowledge of that piece of technology, and then someone at that level can take them even further down that road. All right. I'm going to go backwards, Mark, to something you had. You have a comment up here, and I know you didn't mean to say pushing the staff toward change, but uh, 
One of the things that I Actually, know. Actually, I should say that was, that was me that okay. I, I put that in there. So I don't. You can't push. I've learned that this year. You don't push. Right. Uh, I just want to mention that you know one of the things that I has made this a passion for me is just what I've had to learn in the last two years of or two or three years in the classroom because I realized how how technology could push me to the point as a as an instructor with you know where my students could create with technology they could create whether with blogs whether with whatever the things that the tools they could use to create and it was such um i kept thinking that i had to be able to use those tools before i could be a good instructor and then i realized and sean here beside me came to my classroom several times and i realized that even on a couple of things sean didn't have the answers but our kids figured it out our students figured it out and that's one of the things that i keep you know i'm sharing with my staff is that i want them to uh, the quote I used at the first of the year, and I'm sure I got it from somewhere where I read, it said that you don't want to, you can do th- old things in old ways, you can do old things in new ways, but we want to get to the point that we're doing new things in new ways. And and I just use the example of that, you know, um, I know when we first got PowerPoint, that was the big thing, but that was just doing old things in new ways. And it was still not them creating. And, you know, that's what I'm wanting our staff to keep getting toward, where that research paper can be a, can can be a podcast. It can be a, uh, you know, a, a wiki or whatever. Something something where they are creating and doing what we want them to do with the curriculum, while at the same time they are creating at the same and 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 doing it where where we can watch them create and use what I think will be a, a skill that they'll be able to use in the workforce. I can remember doing a three day staff development on PowerPoint. <laughs> wow! So I'm you know I I'm with you on that. What a I waste of three days. <laughs> but at the <laughs> so, time, you sorry. know, at the time it was the the technology. That's it was right. Well, I yeah, I, I, I think I had the same little note about pushing in mind. You know, it's it's not pushing the technology, but it's a it's an encouragement. You know, of um, you know the the result is success. That's right. And the way you get there is you use what tools are available. I, I will tell you that we have a teacher, uh, we have a, a fifth grade teacher in, in our intermediate school that went to TCA conference for the first time last year. She'd been teaching for 25 years. She is, this year, she's more excited than she was probably when she first started teaching. And her comment was when she got back from TCA was, it wasn't that I didn't know about technology. She says, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Yeah, You know, there were so many doors that were open to her and she's doing things in new ways that are not only exciting for the kids, which means that class is fun to go to. They're extremely exciting for the teacher, which means that teacher is much more motivated to do a good job. So it's about success and these technology, these pieces of technology being a tool towards, you know, getting that, getting to that goal of success. Well, and that, that brings up, uh, kind of the next thing I was thinking about there is, you know, uh, I think we do a lot uh, the same that you do there at White Oak is that we, we try to give the teachers as many tools as possible. So, uh, you know, we have Moodles and wikis and all these different things uh, that they can use. And not everybody does all of that and, and not all of them do even any of it, but it's there. Um, but uh, there you talked about sending a, a teacher to the TCA conference, which we're sending uh, several this year. Uh it, how does uh, staff education come into play there, and how do you how do you address that? Uh, we 
you know, we're big believers in that conference and that uh, we've seen a lot of teachers come away from that conference, uh, you know, fired up and with a, a lot of new ideas. Uh, do you have a lot of in-house uh, training or do you just kind of let it be uh, viral like you were saying before? Or does it just happen? Well, it starts out as viral. I can tell you, though, that I think for the money, um, I don't I don't think we send a teacher anywhere that we get more bang for the buck than we do for sending them to the TCA conference. For they those come who back aren't with in Texas, things that change their TCA. classroom immediately. For those who aren't in Texas, TCEA is the Texas Computer Education Association. They have an annual convention every year that's coming up in February. I just wanted to throw that out there. And, uh, and of course, the other part about that is, is, is we do have a viral setting where we literally do probably, we don't have a span of two weeks that we don't have teachers getting together to share our ideas face-to-face, not to mention the things that they do online. But we're also fortunate to uh, be a school district. We host our um, our regional conference in the summer, uh, which you know uh, Scott Floyd and uh, Michael Grass and some others put on here at White Oak, and it is a an outstanding opportunity that our teachers take advantage of to learn a great deal about improving their classrooms. Uh, we we look for opportunities to you know send people to different places. I think we have uh, my understanding. We've got um, I think the number is nine different presentations that are being done at TCA this year or tech SIG that are, that are being done by white Oak people. And, you know, uh, a teacher will understand this better than anybody. Uh, you learn more by teaching than you do doing anything else. If you have to teach something, you're going to learn more about it than you would if you just sat there and listen. So we benefit from this in several different ways, um, locally and through, through the TCA system. All right. Well, I, I want to be respectful of your time, gentlemen. We've been going a while here, so I'm going to take this opportunity to just sort of uh, tie a bow around it and just ask. Uh, uh, I'll start with uh, with you, Kevin. Uh, what if you had one thing, one uh, bit of advice, one question, one one comment that you wanted to leave with our listeners? Your your parting thought. Uh, what would that be? What what is the uh, the big takeaway that you hope people have from this podcast? Well, I'm going to say this just from listening to Mr. Gilbert, and I do believe, y'all correct me if I'm wrong, y'all had on your podcast, we've had their texts, yes. or y'all have had their texts, and I've listened to them. Okay, I right. just want to share this, and, and I'm not being paid or endorsed by Tightwad Tech because they don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the name of the show. Uh, I think a common denominator besides the teachers that we've described, uh, a common denominator between our districts is the fact that we have uh, people in our technology department that... Uh, have opened up the gate and said, uh, I'm not going to uh, make people, you know, bow down to me, if I may say that. And I'm going to open this up and I'm going to do, I have, there has not been a thing that I have asked for that y'all have said no to, uh, unless the superintendent did. Sorry, Mr. Gilbert. And uh, so, uh, I, you know, I, I think that's a common denominator and that's what I want to share. And this will probably get censored out or cut out when y'all edit it. But uh, I do believe that we could talk about the students, we could talk about the educators, but an important part is having people in the technology department that say, okay, this isn't about me. I'm going to open this up and it's got to be about the students because we can talk about teachers that don't do it, but also people with technology that don't do that. Yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, that's that's just like us to edit out praise for ourselves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but you made an interesting point there when you when you mentioned the superintendent. This all begins 
at the top. Uh, sure. Uh, well, it, it may not begin sure. at the top, but the top can end it uh, for sure. Uh, so you've got to, and that's what this is about, the, the leadership. Uh, uh, you've got to have leaders on board um, because uh, they may not be able to create any initiatives. Uh, if we if we say it's, it has to be grassroots or viral, uh, we may be able to stipulate that, a, that a, a leader can't create, but he can certainly destroy. That's right. Well, I, I think it is about environment and, uh, you know, Kevin's right. It, there's, there are so many parts to this that, that have to work out well, but the bottom line is, is if everybody's focused on what's best for, for students and if everybody's, you know, interest is we're going to do what we need to do to make sure we're creating a good, you know, use a business term, we're going to create a good product, which that good product is a good citizen and, you know, and a citizen that can contribute to society you've got to give them the tools to learn and, and be able to operate in that society that they're going to move into. Um, you know, I, that's, that's key. Uh, the thing that's been really important for me is, is that if you've got that in mind, if you've got the student's best interest in mind and you're, you're trying to do things that are better for them, you may make a decision. May, you may go the wrong way. And the, and the tool that you're using or the way that you want to use the technology is not working out. You can always back up and go another direction. Just keep focused on the student. Um, one of the first things I learned about computers, and it's probably still the only thing I know about them that's, you know, as far as troubleshooting is, just turn it off, turn it back on again, start over. And uh, that's that's you know, the extent of my troubleshooting technology, you know, but... But you know, it works most of the time. So that's right. That's what we do. We refer to that as the magic reboot. The magic reboot can fix almost anything. All right. Well, gentlemen, I will say that technology. You know, for myself and a lot of other people, um, it's, you know, it's a great shot in the arm for this, for public school systems. It's a great shot in the arm for teachers. It, it's, it's brightened up a lot of people's day and it's made going to school and going to work exciting again for some people that may have lost a little bit of that gleam in their eye. And it's right back in there now because they've got something new and challenging to work with that, you know, kids can see that, you know, the kids like it. The teachers like it, and it creates a good product. I have seen that many times. Try. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that seems like a great place to stop. And uh, so I thank you for your time and for your uh, sage words of advice. It's been great having you both on. And uh, so uh, we'll just say goodbye to uh, Mr. Mike Gilbert, uh, superintendent nice you, at White Gilbert. Oak, and to uh, Mr. Kevin Weaver, uh, middle school principal at uh, Honey Grove. So uh, thank you, gentlemen. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank very you much. for having me, and Kevin. Good luck on that administrative job. Not a problem. Keep me keep me in mind if you have any job openings. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, and so once again, we uh, we thank our guests for being with us, and uh, uh, Mister Mister Gilbert had to move on, but uh, uh, Mister Weaver is still with us, and so uh, uh, he will be. Contributing great stuff, I'm sure, as we move on. Uh, so uh, we'll move on uh, now to our regularly scheduled tips of the week. And so uh, my tech tip of the week is one that um, I've been familiar with for a long time, uh, and it's actually been in the uh, show notes to you know on the list of things I want to do. But just this week, I had cause to use it. A middle school uh, secretary here called me and said, I have this uh, document that's in a PDF format. It's a form uh, that I need to fill out. How can I write on a PDF? Well, anybody who's done anything with PDFs knows you can't. You can't write on a PDF. Oh, but you can. Right. With right. Uh, one of my favorite websites, it's uh, fill any PDF dot com 
It's a free website. They do have uh, a paid-for version that gives you a few more uh, bells and whistles, but with no sign-up, no uh, email, no registration, no nothing, you can go to their website at philanypdf.com, upload a PDF, and write on it, annotate, draw, do whatever you want to do, and then save it as a new PDF that you can then print later. It's right. a, it's an awesome utility uh, for those quick one-offs. It's a little a little buggy. I wouldn't want to work with it all day every day uh, uh, in terms of you know where to put things. Uh, but PDFs in general aren't made to be edited. They're made to be created and then looked at for the rest of their life. So fill any PDF is a great resource uh, out there for anybody, for a teacher or a tech who uh, has a, a document document that they need to quickly annotate and edit uh, at no cost. So there you go. There's my tip of the week. That's a good one. I've, I've used that, and uh, especially with the administrative staff, uh, seems like that comes up from time to time, and uh, it's kind of nice to be able to, to throw them that way, and it just happens in the browser. Beautiful. Uh, I'll jump in here with my teacher tip of the week, and this one's a really uh, easy one. This is why I like it. Mark and I kind of debated whether this is really worthy of being a tip of the week. I don't think it's tip worthy. Uh, right, right. And I guess we can we can go to the listeners, so feel free to shoot us some uh, feedback Survey if you think says? this was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm going to call it Pwn, uh, because I really right. think that's what it stands Pwn. for. Uh, Pwn YouTube. So it's uh, all it really is is you go to YouTube and you pull up a video. You just said, you just said is, is. Is, is. What it is, is. Yeah, I did, didn't I? You did it. You said is, is. What it is, is. Yeah. Okay. I guess I could be a rapper, right? Okay. (laughs) So, uh, so, uh, Pwn YouTube, uh, you go to YouTube and you pull up a video that you want to, uh, uh, somehow share or, uh, download or whatever. And, uh, once you've gotten to that, to that, uh, actual uh, video, uh, you're going to have a unique URL, right? It's going to be youtube.com slash gibberish. Uh, and that's going to be your URL for that movie. What you do is you put PWN right in front of the Y in YouTube and you hit enter in your browser and that's going to take you to this uh, to this site. And what this site really is, it's not any tool in and of itself. All it really is is a directory of tools, but it kind of... Uh, acts as an intermediary as well. So it takes that movie and then you've got this whole list of uh, uh, different, like, you know, you can download them in different formats or converters and all this kind of stuff that you can do with YouTube video. And it's, it's I don't know, I want to say maybe 30 or 40 different sites that do different things with the video. Uh, but it, it also does pass that that particular video on as you click through to those uh, to those different tools and uh you know some of them are good some of them aren't uh, so it's kind of trial and error but i will say that uh, in testing it out i did find four or five things in there i was like wow you know i didn't know about this so it's more of a repository and the whole pwn part before the why is just a nice uh it's an easy way to remember where this is so rather than me having to remember these four or five different unique sites all i have to remember is pwn in front of the y and and i'm good to go so pwn youtube whatever your url is and uh, this is just a little uh, web trick i guess we'll call it tip of the week all right thanks sean for for all your content thieving needs pwn youtube that's right <laughs> 
So uh, I guess that's it for that. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about how to contact us. Now. <laughs> yes, if you have an opinion about um, uh, content theft and uh, and uh, ripping off uh, hard-earned uh, uh, content from YouTube, uh, then you can contact us at uh, thetightwadtech.com, specifically Sean at thetightwadtech.com. It's been a while since we've done that. Yes, that's yeah. Sean yeah. at thetightwadtech.com. Or if you want to reach us both, that's podcast at thetightwadtech.com. Twitter.com slash the tightwad tech, Facebook.com slash the tightwad tech. Are you getting the hint there? The plus tightwad plus tech. But there is one that, that kind of derails from that. But if you right? want your voice to be heard in a literal, not only fig- figurative way, you can call us on our Google Voice line at 530 Frugal 2. That's 530 Frugal 2. And uh, 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 if you uh, leave us a voicemail there, we will make sure that we get you on the air in some way, especially if you're insulting or deriding Sean in some way. Those, <laughs> those uh, calls get uh, first uh, <laughs> right to the head priority of line, huh? in the queue. Yeah, yes. okay. <laughs> Nobody ever says anything bad about Mark. <laughs> Not that you know. <laughs> it never makes it to the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that man, that was a good show. That was kind of a mind bender. That was uh, uh, some really great uh, educators talking uh, real deep. So, I'm a lot of fun. Spent. Thanks for being with us, folks. And until uh, next time, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>